This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams! Oh, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh he played. Oh, he's the worst! Puts he up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. The Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, your college editor. Uh, currently stressing out over Arsenal versus Manchester City. Um, for those of you keeping track at home, I know a lot of you are. Uh, Manchester City's up 1-0 right now, so I will be very stressed out this whole episode. Next to me is our senior college writer, Mike Craven. Mike, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Liverpool, middle of the table, so yeah. not really too stressed about anything. We've already done this song and dance of like believing we could beat Man City over yeah. a 38-game schedule and right. it not working out. Yeah. So I would, uh, I would advise you... To just, you know, resign yourself to second place and that being a great year with a 20-year-old squad in Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Soccer it, podcast, Mal. Yeah, we're, we're going deep. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for joining us. Speaking of, our producer, Mallory, everyone's favorite Mal pal. Mallory, hi. Hey. I'm stressed about <laughs> uh, getting this show up on Twitter right now because yeah, Twitter's Twitter, being a butt. Twitter's just being a great app right now, which is just, <laughs> it's been just They're all, everything's been just smooth sailing since that one guy took over. Just like smooth yeah. sailing. Everything's no just problems. been absolutely no notes. smooth and no great. No issues. Um, $44 billion. I wish I, could make a, I wish I could make a $44 billion mistake. Same. Like, you just just you, to own a group of people that to, you don't like. Right. And then just to like, Eventually file for bankruptcy because the yeah. debt you accrued you can't make up for. Yeah, right, just exactly. Need, uh, you just need uh, blood diamonds and government subsidies. I was about and, to say, you'll yeah, be need, right there. You need to trick a bunch of uh, U.S. cities to giving you money to to host your giant ugly cars. All right, so, exactly. Or sometimes tunnels that uh, catch on fire. Um, anyway, enough about Elon Musk and the new bane of my existence. Uh, we have a, we have a good show today. We have uh, hopefully we have some Texas State watch uh, listeners or viewers on YouTube right now, uh, Facebook as well, uh, Twitch, if Twitter was working. For Not Twitter. Uh, yeah. Don't rub it in. <laughs> um, or if you're listening on the podcast, we have GJ Kinney on, Texas State head coach, our first head coach of the offseason. Uh, we decided, of course, why not get one of the new guys on, right? We'll, we'll have him after a couple of headlines, and then we'll get into some – we'll close out with some Texas State talk. We talked to him not really a lot about the roster because it's – before spring camp and he doesn't even know who's really going to be on the team right now so there's a lot just about him his career um a little bit about the recruiting and things like that but if you're looking for a lot of in-depth analysis don't watch that interview don't watch that interview because that's not what we what we got uh we're in the pre-magazine season which is before we start deep diving into all those teams too so Right now, we're just trying to get to know these guys and get to know these uh, kind of their early feel for the team. Yeah, I mean, we talked about his time in Canada. What's Hawaii. it like to be cut? Yeah, yeah, he talked about Hawaii and not liking spam. I mean, it was a <laughs> right. it was a good February football interview. Yeah, exactly. So before we get into that, we do have some orders of business that we did not get to get to at the time. One of the big ones was a story that came out, I believe, Monday. I think um, it was Friday, Thursday, Friday. Last yeah, geez, week. it was last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, of course leaving the Big 12, as we know. Um, that got moved up. They finally came to an agreement with the Big 12 to, to nix that agreement in 2024 to join the SEC. Of course, all the reports, even as as early, as late as a couple weeks ago, was like, yeah, it's going to be till 2025. 
no one believed that, right? <laughs> no one believed that. Right. When ESPN is reporting it right. about an ESPN contract, you know? <laughs> right, it's right. Like, it's almost as if they were negotiating through the media. Exactly. So um, Texas and Oklahoma both agreed to $100 million buyouts, uh, or I guess the equivalent of a buyout. I don't know what this would be equivalent yeah, to. Yeah, they're just leaving rights behind worth right. $100 million More that will be dispersed amongst the eight legacy schools of the Big 12. Right. And so – Long story short, this clears the way for finally the SEC that we've been predicting and and, and uh, anticipating coming to fruition. Oh, Mallory, did you, are we on Twitter now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> she she gave like an off camera like fist pump. So we're on. <laughs> Congratulations, we got Twitter. <laughs> Thank you, Elon, for making the app work again. So he heard us. Yeah, I was about to say he heard us over here. Um, he does live in Austin, so he could just yell. Um, anyway, so yeah, Craven, you know, when this news dropped, what were you kind of what were kind of your thoughts besides? Well, yeah, that was definitely happening. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is good for all parties involved. Mm. You know, like I think the closer we get to the final form of college football, the better. And I say that knowing that we're ahead, like in a few years, it'll change again. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but from what we know, college football is going to look like. 2024 is that marker where everything changes. USC and UCLA are, are joining the Big Ten. Yeah. The college football playoff is going to expand. Well, if you still had the Big 12 SEC thing kind of in the in the background, how would that look? And so now we kind of get that all at the same time. There will be some symmetry there, there. I think it's good for Texas. They've been recruiting as if they're moving to the SEC, and, and that mm -hmm. will help them off the field. They've been positioning for that. Obviously, there will be money involved, a lot of big games. I can't wait to see that first schedule. Yeah. You know, where it's like Texas versus Georgia on October 2nd, and then mm -hmm. Alabama on November 1st. So that will be fun. Um you know, my initial thought was, how are they going to do the schedules? Sure. Are they going to do eight team schedules? Are they right. going to go to nine? Are they going to do one permanent opponent? Are they going to do Some people three? speculated that they do away with divisions. Yeah, um, they are going to do away right, with divisions right, right, because okay. they want the best two teams at the end to play yes. for that conference championship game. Right. Um, I think you're going to have to make it to where there's at least three permanent holds and then six swing games. Um, yeah, because fair. you can't get Texas into a conference just to tell everybody that they're not going to play Oklahoma and A&M every single year. You, right. you have to figure that out. And so uh, I think they'll go with the 3-6 model that's been floated around there before. Um, and so I think this is good for the, the Big 12 teams that are staying behind mm -hmm. as well. They don't have to keep thinking about this and talking about this and, and all that. And I think here's the important part for me is the Big 12, I think we could agree, mm -hmm. is the third best conference in college football. Yes. Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave, and the Big 12 will be the third best foot conference in college football. Right, so that's not going to change. I don't think this changes much for those teams. Sure. Um, Perception-wise, maybe nationally the, nationally the Big 12 takes a step back, but with the expanded playoff to 12, you win that conference or you go 10-2, and 11-1, you're going to get in. Yeah. And so I think this is good news for everybody involved. No, I think so too. Um, and, of course, the unspoken – the, the 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 big elephant in the room is that Texas and AM will be back, right? Theoretically, that would be one of the holds, yeah. right? One of the rivalries that you book. Um, I'm curious what the third would be, because like if you're Arkansas, like if, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, the Southwest bring back the Southwest rivalry. Yeah, I think that's Texas. Good point. I that's think Texas's are the easiest. Yeah, it's, that's fair. It's OU, Arkansas, A and M. Yeah. Okay. What I are A and M's? I would Texas. I'd say Arkansas, LSU. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's yeah. where I would go, me too. Yeah, that's where I would lean. Um, the other ones would get interesting because, like, theoretically, you would have to have – theoretically, everybody would have three, right, right. more or less. And right. so, when, Oklahoma. Right. What right? are Missouri? What are Missouri's? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Missouri just, I don't know. No whatever, one. Whatever right. we want. Right. No one wants to be with them. Georgia, Alabama, LSU. You know, they just, like, feed yeah, they, them to the fishes. <laughs> 
Hey, that might help with Missouri recruiting. Hey, you get to play in these places. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so, um, so you yeah. had to try out for the transfer portal if you come here. <laughs> open, open, that, open tryouts. Saban's going to be right there. That is interesting, though. Like, I mean, all of this move and stuff, that's got to help, like, Missouri's recruiting, right? If they're coming down here to play in Texas. Theoretically, they should be better recruiting. They should be better positioned to recruit Texas, yes. I don't think they will be, though. I think theoretically, yes. They should. Like, that's what's what's hurt Nebraska since they left the Big 12 is that they can't recruit Texas as easily because they don't play Texas. Right, right? exactly. They don't play Oklahoma. So, theoretically, yes, I agree. Missouri should be better positioned. (laughs) On paper, yes. Will it happen? Probably not. (laughs) They're probably in a bad place right now. But But it's still, like, Nebraska. Is about to get better at recruiting Texas, and they didn't put anybody on that schedule. That's fair. They just hired a coaching staff that has Texas ties. Right, right. So if Missouri wants to get into Texas, which I'm not even sure they want, cared it to be. Right, I don't think so. they, all they got to do is go hire the former UIL director or a couple right. of like high school coaches that have, have coached down here, and so it, it's it's possible to do. Right. Uh, but I, you know, Missouri's got a lot of talent. That Ohio, they're closer to Ohio and some of those places. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to spend any resources in Texas, regardless. Yep. All right. Speaking of uh, a little bit more realignment news, we had some. Uh, oh, I wanted to before oh, we ahead. move there. Yeah, no, good, good, good. Before we move there, what does this mean for Texas A and M? Because mean, th- for so long, yeah. For a decade now, yep. the chip that A&M has been able to play on the recruiting trail mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. everywhere else is that we are the Texas team of the SEC. SEC. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's about to change. Mm-hmm. And we know that they weren't a big fan of this. There's quotes out there, right, sure, that, sure. that suggest that they're not a big fan about this. So Texas A&M, let's first get this out of the way. Texas A&M is not the little brother that Texas A&M was when Texas and Texas A&M were formerly in a conference. Right. Right. This is like I think I heard Ari Staples say this. This is like when you go off to college and you come back and your little brother's hit puberty and he's right. worked out a little bit. Right, you're like, right, oh, right. I can't push him around the same way as I used to. Right. A&M has established themselves as a national brand. They're recruiting top 10 classes every year before they moved over there. It was about top 25. They're recruiting about like what TCU did this year. Mm-hmm. However, there's only so many players for so many spots. Sure. Do you think Texas A&M takes a step back recruiting-wise, or have they established themselves enough with the money and everything that they have there uh, that they're going to be okay from a talent acquisition standpoint? I think this is where A&M will be fine. I think they've established themselves as defensive. If you're a defensive prospect, I think if you're in Texas, uh, excluding Alabama and Georgia and all that, I think A&M is your first list, first on your list. I think offensively is where they're going to struggle because now you got Steve Sarkeesian coming in. You have an offense that isn't all the way firing but looks pretty good as is. Now it's going to be like, okay, if there's a number one quarterback in the state, Texas is going to be first on your list, right, as it was for a long period of time. Um, if you're A&M, I think you're gonna, it's going to harken back a little bit to the days where got to kind of hope for a Stephen McGee, right? You're gonna, the Vince Youngs aren't going to go to A&M, right? And in a way, right, Manziel went to A&M, uh, Kellen Mon went to A&M, right? Because they, were the, they had that kind of, uh, like you mentioned, the uniqueness right. of the SEC. Wigman. Right, right, Wigman. I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. Granted, there's a lot more. There's a lot of talent in the state, so sure, the fourth quarterback in the state might still be really good. But I think if they don't, especially if they don't fix the offense this year, right, I think it's going to be harder to say, no, 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 keep coming. We'll, we'll get it turned around, right, when you yeah. see Texas putting up all these points with these uh, talented playmakers on the other yeah. side. So do, you just, think, sorry, do you think location plays a factor into that too now? Because uh, Austin I, I versus mean, College Station? I mean, I don't know. Tuscaloosa. No. A&M's better. Loc- yeah, I guess that's true. Honestly, to be honest with you, A&M's better located to recruit than Texas is. Yeah. Because you're, you're closer to Houston. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's and a good Louisiana, point. You're an hour and a half from those kids, right? So if you play football at Katy, you're an, yeah. your mom's an hour and a half from seeing every single one of your home games, not three. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think like like as far as like college town goes, that's something for us non-athletic people. Right. right? Yeah, yeah I guess older. it's true. Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. And so like, you yeah. know, like like Craven mentioned, you know, Tuscaloosa or as 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 he mentioned in the interview, you hear with GJ Kenny, Tuscaloosa is not not a fun college town, but who cares? That's why they're good because right. they just, yeah. you just pump yeah. iron. You're there <laughs> to play. You you're play. There, you're there to play football. There's co-eds at every single university. <laughs> right. Uh, you can you can have fun anywhere when maybe you're 20 Arizona, years old. Maybe for Arizona State, you get that right. right. It's like, oh yeah, I get to go. Well, there, and you got yeah. four hundred thousand dollars in your pocket because of NIL. You can make it fun wherever you are at. <laughs> right. so, That's a good right. point. I, I think I think they're fine. I think I think A&M's going to be fine. You just now you're recruiting not only against and you always were yeah, right. Yeah. Like let's not exaggerate this point, but like now you're in the same conference as. OU, LSU, Texas, Arkansas, Alabama comes in here all the time now. Mm-hmm. So it it just gets it's crowded. Yeah. It's a crowded state. I was about to say, yeah, it just it just crowds the the pool a little bit. So yeah, I mean it, it'll be interesting to see. But I think the offense and defense thing will be kind of a big separating yeah. factor. I can't um, wait for that first game. Oh, it's gonna be amazing. Like DJ Campbell blocking DJ Hicks. Oh, <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna you be, know what gonna I mean? be fantastic. Like, just like, just oh, NFL just, tape all over the field. Anthony Hill trying to tackle Reuben Owens. <sighs> Like I'm just, yes. it's gonna be great. I'm like already here for it. <laughs> Let's fast forward. A um, little more piece of realignment news. We had some VIPs at uh, SMU. <laughs> uh, the basketball game. Uh, Joe Hoyt and the, basically every other uh, media person got wind that the Pac-12 was in town to see uh, SMU basketball. And why you may ask? Because they're negotiating their new TV deal, and they need some teams. <laughs> yeah, they, they need some content. <laughs> they need some content. So you know where they're looking? They're looking at Texas because there was one team that arguably got left behind when the big shuffle happened. And mm-hmm. as great as SMU being the big fish in the AAC is for, like, maybe a year or two, <laughs> they're going to yeah. want to get out of there and get to something bigger. So Pac-12 is uh, openly, very openly, uh, negotiating with SMU, and we'll see if this kind of gets the wheels rolling uh, in some, into something. I'm going to make an argument that I'm not sure I completely believe. Okay. But you remember the idea of, like, there used to be, like, BCS conferences? Yes. And then that went away because there was no more BCF? Right. BCS. What is P5, G5 in an expanded playoff format? That's fair. Like That's what fair. is the Pac-12 compared to the American as it currently sits? I guess like those. Are, I guess you'd make the argument of like the. I guess what would be the at-large, right? You're ba- you're you're basically to go to a P5. I guess you're just kind of increasing your odds of getting one of those, right? Because if you win the conference, you're in. Who cares, right? right? But and so I guess that's. I guess that's the thing is like the second place team in the SEC gets in over the second place team in the AAC, right? right. And so I, but but I agree. Like as far but you as got like, a better chance of winning the American than yes. you do getting second in Pac-12. Exactly. So it'll be – I don't know. But, again, it does come down to TV deal, right? Yo, TV money, yes. right, right. And so – That's why I said I don't know if I completely believe the argument. Because sure, the money sure. may be too big to pass up regardless. Yeah. But I think I can make an argument mm-hmm. that it would be better for your program mm-hmm. to stay at the G5 level, win those conferences, get into that expanded playoff once every three years, and then you make that money back on the back end mm-hmm. that you're losing from the TV deal – by getting college football playoff money and by having a donor base that's so excited to see you playing against Georgia on December 31st in Athens to where, like, how much is that deal? How much is it different, you Mm -hmm. know? And what is the Pac-12 money going to be? You know, because the Big 12 set the marker. The Big 12 did the smart thing. It's like when you have uh, two linebackers offered Mm -hmm. and one's going to get the scholarship. Yep. Big 12 got that one. Yep. You know, and so, like, now the Pac-12 is trying to figure out what to do, and it sounds like they're going to go streaming. 
Yeah. And if you're going to have a deal that involves streaming, you need content. Mm-hmm. You need a bunch of schools. And uh, I still think Oregon and Washington Washington kind of hold the keys to what the mm-hmm. future of the Pac-12 is. 100%. But if I'm SMU, I need some kind of – and I'm, they're smarter than I am, so I'm sure they've thought about this. I need some kind of guarantee that I'm not joining a Oregon-less or Washington-less right. Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Because I know Brett Yormark a little bit. Yeah. He's going to try to get Utah and Colorado – in Arizona and Arizona State. And so I think if you're SMU, you got to be really worried about what the Pac-12 would even be by the mm-hmm. time you got there. Sure, 100%. Because, of course, we mentioned USC, USC, UCLA are already leaving for the Big Ten. Big Ten yeah. um, SMU and I believe San Diego State yeah. are the odds-on favorite to replace those two. Now, for those of you wondering, oh, SMU, that's a weird – it's not that geographically weird because they still have Colorado. They still have yeah. the Arizona mm-hmm. schools. So Utah. They have, they're just separ- Utah, they're just separated by literally one state in New yeah. Mexico. So yeah. it's not the worst right. geographic – it's not as bad as West Virginia being in the Big 12. Let's yeah. put it that way. And yeah. it's easy to get to DFW. Right, 100%. Like you, and so to it, get to West Virginia, you got to fly then drive yeah and if you're smu and you know the big Ten's not calling you know the sec's not at the big 12 said no or probably i don't want to say i was about to say tcu and maybe the other g5 uh, uh, other state schools were like we're not adding another dfw um and they don't have baseball that's the other yes yeah that's the other killer for the big 12 um you're willing to be courted Right, if you're yes. just like, sure, what you got, right? And they're, I wouldn't even say they're in a, lo- a win, a lose-win position. They're in a win-win. Yes. Like, either they run yes. the AAC right. or they get courted by this other, right. quote-unquote, Power 5 network. And so. I think I would go to the Pac-12. I think I would. I go. just don't think it's as much of a slam dunk on paper as it was sure. two years ago. 100%. No, 100%. All right. Our last bit of news before we get to this interview with G.J. Kinney. Uh, Houston lost an offensive coordinator – and by law, he didn't, he didn't die. He just went to another job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make all Lost make another clear. offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Coach Dawson. Like Coach Dawson, I'm glad you're still with us. <laughs> Shannon Dawson leaves for Miami. Um, I don't know. That's not uh, – it's it's a promotion, quote, unquote, but Miami's not exactly a great situation right now. Yeah. They're kind of probably coaching for their lives That's over there. Um, but regardless, Houston now has an OC opening. What does that mean? I don't know because Dana calls plays. So what does what exactly? <laughs> what is your does job? Offensive you coordinator. Written exactly. Yeah. No, what exactly will the guy that he's looking for? Uh, by the way, Craven has an article up on Texas Football of some names to mention. Um, he kind of spans all over. He kind of goes with some options like Jake Spavadol, who have play calling experience, but somebody like a Joe Wickline, who worked with Dana, did not call plays. Right. Because Dana's going to call plays, or maybe this is a chance to delegate. I don't know, right? We It'll be interesting to see what happens. But I feel like with Dana and this kind of shaky time Houston's at, he's going to he's gonna keep his cards to him, right? And probably like, I'm going down my ship, so yeah. I'm going to call plays. Um, but regardless, this is the biggest coordinator opening easily in the state right now. Probably the only one, I think, now. Yes. Um, and so, you know, Craven, what are you thinking? What were your thoughts on Shannon Dawson and – it's kind of a late move, too. It was a late move, and that, that hurts Houston a little bit, uh, just being so late in the carousel. You know, like if they go for a SPAV, he just yeah. took a new job at Cal, right? If they yeah. go for Graham Harrell, he just took a new job at Purdue. And so you're asking those guys uh, to leave to leave jobs that they've only been at for a couple of months. Uh, one of the names that I think is intriguing is Seth Luttrell. Sure. Um, may not need to be the play caller, mm-hmm. right? Understands the run game really well, can add some toughness to that locker room that, in my opinion, is needed. Yeah 
on, on both sides of the ball. He's ran a program before, so maybe he can help do some of the stuff that we all know Dana Holgerson doesn't like to do. <laughs> right. uh, and, and he's available. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, they coached together back in the day at Texas Tech. Their air raid guys are from the same tree. Um, so he, he's a name uh, to remember. But I think Jake Spavadol has got it. I mean, they're they're like best friends. Like Jake right. f- considers him like a father figure, right. or uncle figure, or exactly. what you know, a le- an older brother or whatever. They've <laughs> right. lived together before, yeah. you know. And so uh, it's hard if if that's who Holgerson wants. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine that's who Holgerson gets. Sure. Uh, but if Spaz like, hey, I like where I'm at. I like calling plays. I want to continue doing this over here. Uh, I do think that there's some names on that list that that are pretty intriguing. Clint Trick Trickett, uh, another one as you yeah. mentioned, Joe Wickline. Uh, we talked about Graham Harrell. There's plenty of air raid guys out there nowadays that you can you can go try to poach. Yep, and it'll be a pretty pivotal year because, um, as you mentioned, as we mentioned, they're going to the Big 12, and we mentioned that they're kind of on shaky ground right now as far as the stability going forward. You know, wasn't the season that they thought, and it's not going to get any easier. So, um, does does Dana Holgerson take that into account? Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that that was kind of a late dropping news a uh, couple of days ago. So, with that being said, promise we had an interview. We do have an interview. Texas State head coach G.J. Kinney, first time uh, on our show, and then first uh, coach of the offseason as well. We'll see if we can get Eric Moore so we can kind of get the new hires out of the way. Uh, but it was cool chatting with him. Had about 15, 20 minutes with him. Again, not mostly about football, sometimes just about life in general, his career up to now. Uh, it was really cool to have him on, and we'll see if we can uh, have him on again sometime in the offseason later once the kind of rosters get settled and spring camp, all that's done. So without further ado, Texas State head coach G.J. Kinney. This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here. We're joined by the new, I guess no longer new, uh, Texas State head coach, G.J. Kinney. Coach, you finally settled in. You finally settled down. You've been on the road a ton. Signing day just passed. You know, where are you calling from? I'm in my office. Uh, watched a little workouts this morning, getting installs ready, and excited to talk to you guys yeah is, is it has it been kind of a a nice week after or a couple you know a couple weeks after a signing day to kind of finally get your bearings kind of be in one place for a little bit as opposed to you know i saw you guys in dallas houston san antonio everywhere kind of uh, trying to lock up all those guys for the signing class yeah for sure we got me and my wife and and little boys got we got moved in to our new spot in san marcus and and uh so we, we've been kind of juggling that and and uh you know getting the rest of the coaches moved and about every every other day i have a coach say, hey coach i'm gonna be a little late here i got a uh, moving today yeah. so you know just kind of going through all that stuff and and really right now uh for me is watching these guys on our current roster watching these guys work out and and uh, kind of just getting to know them and mm-hmm. building those relationships with them. Yeah, I guess like it's before spring camp. So like, what what is kind of the the mo for this time period between signing day and camp? You know, what is it? What's kind of your priority as you kind of prepare for that? Yeah, right right now for me, it's it's you know getting together uh, on offense and defense, doing self scout. Uh, putting together installs, um, you know, watching our guys. Right now they can just run and lift. We're not sure, meeting sure. with them or anything like that. Sure. So just watching them lift and, and run and, and uh, you know, going and they eat breakfast and dinner up here. So sitting in there with them and, and just really getting to know them and, you know, talking to them about their family and mm-hmm. what high school they went to and just all those kind of little small conversations that, you know, make a difference. 
Uh, Coach, I got a question for you. You've lived in a bunch of different places, you know, whether it be in a, a student, you went to a couple schools, you know, and then as a, as a professional, you played at a couple different places. And as a coach, uh, you've been at, at a few stops as well already. Uh, do you kind of have a favorite place you've lived so far? You're not allowed to say San Marcos yet. You hadn't been there long enough. But where, <laughs> yeah. where was kind of your favorite place to kind of just live, hang out, that kind of deal? That that one's probably easy if you looked at where I've lived. I mean, Hawaii is hard to beat. Right? Right. You're talking <laughs> about the, the beaches and and the people and the food. I mean, you know, it's it, it's hard to beat to go out to some of the best beaches in the world just every day and hang out and take your kids and yeah. barbecue and just hang out and watch the waves. I mean, it's Hawaii is hard to beat when it comes to that. Is it hard to go to work there though? Because like <laughs> I feel like you know the reason Alabama's so good at football is it's Tuscaloosa. There's nothing else to do but to like lift weights and, and be a football yeah. player. I'd, I'd imagine Hawaii. What's like the weirdest excuse you had from a player or like why they missed workouts? Uh, probably like not missing workouts but getting hurt. Like I had a guy get hurt surfing. Had a guy get hurt <laughs> uh, spear fishing. I think. <laughs> Awesome. all kinds of stuff yeah it's 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 a little different but one more one more actually one more question on that on hawaii because that, that's i guess it's a yeah it's a thing i didn't think about because you mentioned when you got the texas state job that you're a texas guy right because your name was connected elsewhere things like yeah. that but you you mentioned being a texas guy what was that like being so far away from the continental states as opposed to just <laughs> yeah. not even just texas <laughs> yeah it was different for sure but by that time, you know, I'd, I'd lived in New Jersey. I'd, yeah. I'd lived in a couple of different places, you know, Canada, um, you know, so it was one of those situations where I was kind of used to being away. Sure. Um, it, it, it was, you know, my first full-time position job, offensive coordinator job and FBS. So I was more focused on that and, and same type deal, just, you know, trigger, figuring out how to, to win some games and put up some points. Yeah. yeah. Did you uh, become a fan of spam? <laughs> no, I didn't eat the spam. I, I couldn't eat the spam. Like they go to like Seven Eleven, and I forgot exactly what it's like Mishubi or something. I don't know exactly what it's called, but they go and, and eat that stuff, and I I couldn't do it. I, I I've been there one time, and I remember pulling into a McDonald's uh, drive-through, and it yeah. being like spam and egg cheese biscuit. You know, oh, yeah. you're like, oh no. I, yeah, all the players used to make fun of me because I ate a lot of chilies. There's a chilies right by my house. <laughs> I ate a ton of chilies. It's your own little taste. Your own little taste yeah, of uh, the continent. Exactly. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, I guess you know, you're settling settling into San Marcos now. Do you guys got a? As far as the family goes, I know you got you, know, you got you know a family going on. Do you got a family yeah. spot? Favorite family spot that you guys like to hit up right now? Or man, we're still trying to figure it out right yeah. now. To be honest with you, we've gone to Wimberley a couple times sure. and, and gone to that little area and and, and ate a couple times. Um, but that's about it so far. We literally just got moved in over the during the ice storm or sure, whatever. Sure. We we moved during that time, so um, we haven't got to do a whole bunch um, besides recruit. To be honest with you, yeah. yeah. Speaking of, speaking of kids, you got some kids that are, that are coaches' kids now. You were mm -hmm. a coach's kid. How early on did you know this is what you were going to go into? And, and were you, like, drawing up plays and giving them to your dad and, like, suggesting stuff to him at an early age? Uh, first, yeah, I, kn I knew I wanted to coach. You know, I think for me, 
like the building of teams was always something mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed doing, you know, playing like all-star baseball. And, and, you know, we, we, you know, I think the winner of the league usually gets to do the all-star. So me and my dad would sit there and like, who's, who are we going to put at second base? Who's going to lead off? Who's going to be the cleanup? You know, like we, we would literally sit there for hours yeah. and do that stuff. That's what I grew up doing. And so, um, that, that part was always fun. Uh, my grandpa was my little league football coach. So we would do the same thing in football and, and, you know, usually put together a team and, and travel out of state and go play in the Turkey bowl or whatever. So I enjoyed the, the building of a roster and, and, uh, you know, building of a staff for me. I think those two things are really fun. Obviously I, I coached like even when I was playing uh, with the Eagles, I, I like volunteered and coached the eighth grade select football team in Mesquite. Like I just enjoyed the coaching part of it. And I, when I was in Philly and, and, um, you know, and the Giants too. I think both both coaches. You know, I, I would get cut. You know, a couple times they ended up bringing me back or whatever. And they'd always say, "Hey, when you're ready to get, you know, into coaching, let us know. Like mm-hmm. you're going to be a great co-. like one of the." So it just kept on like coming up in in my life, and and so I knew that's something I wanted to do when when the time was right. And and I went to I went to Canada. I guess that was 2016. I did that season up there, and and. Uh, got home the off season, you know, started working out, throwing the ball around. And, and, uh, at the time, Chad Morris was the head coach at SMU, who was my OC at, Tol- uh, OC at Tulsa in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, man, they had a GA position come up open. Like, do I want to go back to Canada and, and keep playing up there? Or, you know, is this the time to, you know, get into coaching? I'm, I have a little money saved up from playing, you know, I get to stay in Dallas. I don't have to move. And, and, you know, so, that's kind of how I got into the coaching. But, yeah, I, I knew I wanted to coach from a pretty early age. What was getting cut like? Man, Man. Uh, it, to be honest with you, it's pretty heartbreaking because, you know, you put so much into it. And, you know, especially for me, I knew it was a, a possibility. But, you know, when you're the fourth quarterback or third quarterback on the roster, like that's what I tell these guys all the time. What did you learn in the NFL is – it's just kind of bringing it every day and every day's a job interview. You know, you have one bad throw or one bad decision. It can really af- affect, you know, your, your whole dreams and, and career. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough when you get cut because, you know, sometimes it's out of your control. You can, you can be the better quarterback, but they drafted this guy in, mm-hmm. in the third or fourth round and, and, you know, they want to bring you back on practice squad or, or, you know, something like that. That's what happened to me, you know, pretty much three years in a row so um you know it's tough but at the same time you know i i I learned a lot from it and and uh i got cut a lot so (laughs) you talked about moving uh to canada and playing there for a little bit does it i mean from the outside it feels like it would freak you out the first time you saw a wide receiver like illegally going in motion or something you know like how long did it take you to kind of get used to to that game or or is it an easier transition than maybe it looks on tv (laughs) Uh, I didn't really like it to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. I, I I felt like, you know, I was a dual threat guy. And my style of play is kind of what they want up there. It's mm-hmm. just I just didn't necessarily enjoy. I feel like I had to relearn football almost. Mm-hmm. You know, like I spent my whole life learning this game. And when I got up there, like there's some things that obviously translate. It's still football, but the guys going in motion. You got an extra defender on the field. You got you know an extra receiver you got the fields wider it's longer there's different rules you know i I just never felt like super comfortable with it and and you know so that's ultimately kind of one of the reasons too i was like yeah i'll do something else (laughs) 
you know, for people who don't know, you played your senior year uh, for a coach that's pretty familiar around this state at the high school and college level, and y'all are going to play each other in week two. Um, what was it like playing for Jeff Trailer, and why does he kind of have that personality or that demeanor that, you know, it seems like kids want to play for him and he has success at, at all these different le- levels? Yeah, yeah. I played for Jeff my senior year. We actually played him my junior season when I was still at Canton. And then I transferred to Gilmer, um, played for Jeff, and, and uh, that was awesome. I mean, the program that he runs, the you know, the discipline, the way they work out, it was it was it was really cool to, to be a part of that. And and uh, you know, we were the offense we were running back in high school, that was you know, when I got to University of Texas, it was it was almost like, ah man, I wish we were still running what we did in high school. You know, so yeah. we did some really good stuff um when jeff was at gilmer obviously he won a bunch of state championships my little brother played for him won a state championship for him so um but i think for him you know very similar to my dad like guys just play hard for him because they know you know they love him you know he loves them and and has real relationships with his guys and and um you know, so for me, you know, he's a guy that I still talk to, you know, probably once a week or if not more and, and uh, just a great person and, and great coach and, and really all of the above. Yeah, I guess going on to going on to Texas State now, you know, one of the biggest things that when, when you were hired and it was pretty obvious from what uh, President Danfus and what Don Coriel was, was, was kind of saying, you know, they wanted somebody who would kind of put Texas State back in the recruiting scene as far as high schools go. As you guys were out and about, you know, across the state, did you sense it was kind of a challenge to kind of reintegrate Texas State back into that? Or were they, was it more of a, ah, we've kind of missed you guys, right? As when you guys were scheduling these visits and kind of going to these campuses. Yeah, it was definitely the second. It was mm-hmm. it was like, man, we haven't seen you in a long time. We're so happy that you're here. Because every time you go to one of these schools, there's about two or three coaches that went to Texas State. Sure. You know, so I think they were just they were excited that we were in there. You know, the same thing. They're hungry. Like, hey, you know, this. You know, how are we going to look this year? All that. You know, they're mm-hmm. excited. They're they're hungry for a winner. And and um, you know, it, it's it's been really cool to to get in here and and you know, kind of represent Texas state and, and get around to these different high schools. And, you know, you know how it is. Like once I get into those schools and the coaches kind of get to know us and my sure. staff, they're, you know, they're kind of, they're pulling for, you know, oh, coach, I'm going to send my guys, you know, they, yeah, yeah. it's, it's exciting for them. So, um, you know, we just got to do it more often. We got to get in front of these high school coaches, get to these clinics and get them out to spring, spring practice and, and recruit their kids and, and just really, you know, develop those relationships and and you know get 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 you know when you recruit their kids and you show interest in them you know that they're they they appreciate that so we just got to continue to do that coming up from the fcs level you know we've seen a lot in in fbs we've seen a lot of success from that transition what do you think kind of people learn at the fcs level what if what have you learned at the fcs level maybe that translates or either or benefits maybe something you didn't think about as you move up that you learned at fcs you know things like that i know sometimes the the lack of resources kind of helps you kind of when you have them available be able to think of things differently how's it how do you think it's kind of helped you and why do you think in general it's kind of been a model of success for some coaches yeah i think you know you just kind of do more with less and and uh you know, you just find a way to get it done. You know, you don't have a ton of different people doing different jobs. So, you know, as a head coach, I was 
you know, going to study hall. I was checking grades. I was, you know, making sure they're going to class. And, and it's almost kind of like being a high school coach. And for me, that's really, besides my NFL experience, that's really all I, I've known. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, my dad being a high school coach, I I played for Jeff. Uh, I played for Chad Morris. I played for Todd Graham. You know, I played point. for Bill Blankenship, <laughs> Gus yeah. Malzahn. Like, all those guys were tremendously successful high school coaches that transitioned to college and had a lot of success in college too. So that's kind of all, all I've known, um, is, you know, I'm, I'm basically, you know, I'm the son of a high school coach and that's, that's what I am. So when I got to FCS, it, it to me, it was kind of like being a high school coach. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was pretty easy, um, to be honest with you. And we had a bunch of really good coaches and, and a bunch of really good players and kids and, and, and all that. But yeah, I think you just, you know, do more with less. You know, Eric Morris is the head coach at North Texas. You're the head coach at Texas State. What's in the water in Incarnate Word? Is it the Bombay Bicycle Shop? What's going on over there at Incarnate <laughs> no, I think Word? He, I think he did a, a great job recruiting and kind of getting that thing going. And then, you know, I kind of came in there and, and we, you know, went to the semifinals and, and won a bunch of ball games and, and scored a bunch of points. And I think Coach Killo over there, the guy they hired, uh, Clint Killos, mm-hmm. he was our, our receiver coach and assistant head coach this past year, and another stud, man. He he's he is. I mean, he's he's a, a great great person, and, and you know, Richard Duran's done a great job over there hiring the AD over there, hiring coaches, and uh, they invest in people and and you know do a good job in the hiring process, and and uh, so I'm excited to watch those guys continue to win. They decided that you and Morris weren't young enough, so they had to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had to go. They're gonna have a player coach soon over there. At, yeah, at that, at it's the, like uh, what was that? What's that move? The gridiron game? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All crew. Exactly. You know, when you get to Texas State and you take over this job, and you got, I would imagine, fifteen thousand things to do at one time. Kind of, what do you take the time on early to kind of? What's job number one? What's job number two? What are those things that, when you're a head coach, you have to come in and really figure out? right away before you can do anything else yeah for for us to be honest with you it was recruiting you know we we got done with that north dakota state game um the semifinal game we got in at 5 a.m and we had official visits starting at nine so that was really when when i got the job that was the first thing you know we were doing was was recruiting and recruiting our own players at texas state and then recruiting high school kids and and you know you know kids from from texas that were in the portal so that was kind of what we did first and then i think it's you know relationships um with the guys on on the roster i think those are the two things that kind of we can control right now um and do like we we just started doing football this week to be honest Mm -hmm. with you like it the football stuff the x's and o's like to me that that that's something that comes a little bit later we got spring ball coming up but to me it's the relationships and the and the foundation that you build and and uh, you know the strength and conditioning part is huge right now the guys running and lifting that's why we're we're not starting spring ball till after after spring break to just give those guys a couple more weeks to to really get in there with coach youth and, and get bigger stronger faster and kind of develop that culture that you want and and develop the, the leaders and kind of which guys are going to step up and you know focus on your academic Academics and and all that because we we got to improve in all those areas. Um, just you know, me just getting here, we got to improve in all those areas. How much do you think it will help that first year transition? That so much of this coaching staff you're familiar with, and so many of these transfers y'all have picked up are, are from UIW. Yeah. How, how much do you think that kind of helps you uh, get hit the ground running? And then how much do those players kind of help the other players? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think it helps. Um, you know, for sure. We you know. 
especially those offensive linemen that yeah. we got here it kind of helps me sleep better at night to be perfectly honest with you because they're really really good you know turning down some some big time places and and money and all that kind of good stuff to come here and, and play for us and it kind of goes back to the relationship part of it i think you know so mm-hmm. um yeah that, that, i think getting those guys over here and, and they kind of know how we do things and the coaching staff you know I, I think i brought seven guys and a couple off the field guys so they they kind of know how I, I like to operate and, and kind of how we go about things and and um you know so that part's been it's it's been good but then there's also some people that that are here that that i kept that are they're really good um and and really good people and and really good support staff members and then i went and hired a couple you know coaches you know from outside uiw um that i had some relationships with that are studs as well so um it's it's been good so far you know obviously it's the honeymoon phase and you're undefeated and, and and all that but it's it's been uh it's been great and then last question for me, you know, for, for Texas State fans listening that, that didn't watch Incarnate Word, that, that maybe aren't as familiar with your style of play, you know, what, when they show up in September and kind of see that first game, what, what do you think they should expect to see from a Texas State Bobcat team? Yeah, I'll start on offense. Um, you know, we're a run play action team. Uh, we're going to be in our wide splits. We're going to go extremely fast. Um, we're going to throw the ball downfield. We're going to take shots, but you know, I think it starts with 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 the run game. You know, we had a fifteen hundred yard rusher, and and uh, we were pretty balanced this year. Um, but we're going to go fast. It's going to be exciting brand of football. I mean, we averaged uh, you know almost fifty two points per game last year, and and uh, so on offense, we're going to be really exciting, and on defense as well, we're going to blitz. We're going to create havoc. We're not just going to sit back and bend, not break, you know, style. We're we're aggressive. We're going to blitz, um, you know, create TFLs and, and create sacks and have a bunch of energy. I think we have a young staff, and so you come to practice, you come to a game. We're going to be dancing around and, and getting the guys ready to go. It's a, it's a violent sport, and and uh, so you got to bring energy and and uh, excitement. So, um, you know it's going to be an exciting exciting time at texas state you know i I keep on saying it we're going to light up the scoreboard i believe it you know we really are you you know we i came into uiw and told them we're going to have the number one offense in the country and and we did and uh so when i get here it's it's the same mentality you know we're going to light up that scoreboard we're going to go extremely fast and we're going to play hard yeah i guess one more the last one for me would be you know typically when uh court when a former OC comes into a head coaching job. They everybody assumes, okay, they're going to call the play. It's going to be their offense. It's going to be kind of their, you know, everything's going to be a reflection of kind of their own strict philosophy. But you've kind of worked with Mac Leftwich now, and you know, at, at, first of all, as a head coach, you know, what kind of because you obviously have your own beliefs and things like that. But what kind of uh, uh, I guess what goes into maybe saying, okay, I'm willing to delegate you know, to this guy and, and somebody like Mac, who's, who's really young, but also really pr- uh, now becoming really proven. What kind of gave you that, that kind of uh, sense of security to kind of delegate to him? And is that kind of how you see yourself overall as maybe a overview head coach, as opposed to maybe a, a, a lot of some, I, I don't want to use that as pejorative, but maybe like a, a, co- a glorified coordinator as some of these other guys, uh, some of these other head coaches seem to be. Yeah, I think, you know, when I got to UIW, that's all I was going to do. I was going to call the plays and, and run the kind of show. And, and you know, we're, we're running what I want to on offense. And we got together with Mac, and we kind of built what we wanted it to look like. And, you know, Mac's dad was my offensive line coach at Tulsa in 2010. So, um, 
that background there and another coach's kid and, and, uh, you know, a guy that I, that I really trust and, and, you know, really like, and, uh, we're very close. And, and so we do a lot of things together on offense and, and, uh, you know, same thing on defense, you know, mm-hmm. coach Packy was, was his first time doing it last year on defense. And, and, uh, you know, he'd kind of been Manny Diaz's right hand guy for so, so many years and never got opportunity to call it. And, and I think both of those guys did a tremendous job and, and, uh, have bright futures. All righty. Well, that'll do it for that'll do it for us, Coach. Um, if you got nothing else for us, I mean, hit me up if you need any recommendations for uh, for food or anything. Because I lived there for seven years, so I got some. I oh, got some for thoughts. sure. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I need I need all the recommendations. <laughs> all right. Uh, first of all, hit up Herbert's. So that's gonna be my first recommendation. Okay. So, uh, okay. I'll, I'll I'll ask for a post game report after you guys hit up there for a family meal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I like it, Herbert's. I'll, right. I'll, I'll definitely go there. All right. Sounds good. Take it. Take it easy, Coach. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thanks. All right. See you. Thanks again to Texas State head coach G.J. Kinney. Once again, I will reemphasize, if you need food recs, I got you, boy. Um, or you just ask Twitter, To Texas State Twitter is usually all over those restaurants in San Marcos, no matter what they are. Um, not lying about Herbert's, uh, of course. So, look, I've been trying to get a Herbert sponsorship for this podcast for a while. And, or at least me. <laughs> I just sponsor my that. Twitter. I don't yeah. care. That'd be great. I can't even eat there periodically. If you just give me like a meal, free meal a year, I'd be perfectly fine. Anyway, that's me. That's enough of me uh, openly lobbying for a sponsorship for myself. Uh, Craven, you know, we're up to 11 of the 13 now, FBS head yeah. coaches. Yeah. Uh, we just need Eric Morris to get back to our 12. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to count the 12 because, you know, we're not going to get Jimbo Fisher, but no, no. Uh, you know what, what you what you kind of learn besides some Hawaii travel tips. What you kind of learn from GJ <laughs> Kenny? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty cool of him to be honest about how much you just don't know at this stage. Sure, you sure. know he didn't like try to pretend like he knew everybody on the roster and mm-hmm. everybody's skill set and what they're going to do. And you know they're taking it slow. Yeah, you know they 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 worried about recruiting. And the recruiting class was pretty good, yeah, I thought, for yeah. having a month, month and a half. It finished eighth in the Sun Belt. You know, yeah. it was better than teams like Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, Marshall, mm-hmm. Old Dominion, James Madison. If you just take the average recruit that they signed, it was second behind South Alabama in, in the in the Sun Belt. So, you know, they signed their best class since 2019 mm-hmm. with a month <laughs> with yeah. a month to do it. Pretty good. Uh, so you give these guys 12, 18, 24 months to really start recruiting these players, and who knows what Texas State's going to look like talent-wise. I love what they did in the transfer portal um you know anybody i well i don't know if we have a lot of crossover listeners between this podcast and Corey and i sub fbs podcast right uh but i love what mac Leftwich does offensively uh, i enjoyed what they did defensively there at incarnate word i think it's going to be a very like like you said i think it's going to be a very fun exciting brand of football that's going to be fast paced it's going to be explosive it's going to run the football it's going to have deep passing plays the defense is going to like you said, not bend but don't break. They're going to sure. give up some points, but yeah. they're also going to get some turnovers yep. and create a lot of havoc plays that then turn o- turn to points um, on the other side. So, you know, I'm really excited to see uh, what Texas State is. I- I'm going to reserve judgment through year one because sure. I just think that's the fair thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two, year two, year three, year four, I-, I I don't see a reason why Texas State can't be a player in the Sun Belt Conference. Yep. We'll see. Uh, it'll be a new look, or I guess not a new look Sun Belt. It'll be kind of the similar Sun Belt, which has kind of been the benefit, you know, that you know which teams you're going to be playing and recruiting against uh, year in, year out. Uh, their spring game schedule just came out, so it's uh, April 22nd. Um, I'll be trying to hit up a couple spring practices, of course, for the magazine and all that stuff. I'll be making my trip down there to check out the team. Uh, first official kick is September 2nd at Baylor, so... Interesting one. They're yeah. they're not in conference. Ain't no joke this it's year. It's not a joke one. I know. I know. When I saw, 
even before even uh, before Dion took the Colorado job, I was like terrified of Jackson State because they got yeah. them in week three. Even still, that's still a pretty talented team at Jackson yeah. State. So I was like, oh, that's their FCS game. Yeah. <laughs> like, U- UTSA's in there. UTSA before Baylor, that. UTSA, yeah. Jackson State. That's yeah. their non-conference. And then Nevada, which Nevada wasn't good last yeah. year, but they also smoked Texas State last year. <laughs> so it's not yeah, it's not an easy non-conference. It's not a cakewalk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem. <laughs> not um, a cakewalk. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch. But like Craven said, it should be a fun team at the very least so we'll see and you're you're an alum yeah you're you're in those circles more than we are yeah. what's the fan base feeling now compared to not the end of spav's era right, but right, like right, at right. the beginning like what's it like now compared to when spav was hired um i think now the difference between now and when spav was hired was i think that when spav was hired i think we as a fan base and i'll throw myself in there as well we thought that the team was better than what it was i think um, we thought Spav was there to kind of just, and I think Spav honestly took the job thinking he was there to just kind of like clean up this kind of rough foundation, right? Yeah, polish it up. Right, like exactly. It. Boom. Let me put a little shiny offense on it, right? And he got here and was like, oh, we need, we don't have a line. We don't have like, we need a consistent quarterback, things like that. And so now I think everybody kind of knows where it's at. They're not at the, the low points, right? I think Spav brought in some decent talent that they're able to hold on to a little bit. And they also added some, obviously. And I think they see the administration. So I think top to bottom, they see kind of a new invigoration now. That, that's what years. would excite me if I was a Texas State fan. Yeah. Not necessarily the Kenny thing, which sure, I think sure. is exciting. Right, right, right. But it's the fact that he has some support. Yes. Who gives a rip. Mm-hmm. And like that go every coach I've ever talked to, Sonny Dykes is the perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. He's not a different coach than he was at Cal. Right. I mean, a little bit. He, sure. he he figured out that maybe I should run the ball more than Mike Leach did. <laughs> right. But other than that, he's pretty much the same dude. Yeah. But he had no support at Cal. None. He said that the whole time he was there, nobody ever came to his office and asked if he needed anything. Right. You know, like nobody was like, hey, what can we do for you? Right. Like nothing. Uh, and I would imagine Spavadol would have a similar experience at Texas State where it's like nobody helped me do anything. I had mm-hmm. a scratch and claw to figure this all out. It feels different now. Yeah. And 100%. that's going to be a huge advantage for Kenny. Oh, yeah. I believe so, too. This uh, this new administration seems to be heading in the right direction. So we'll see what they do now that their first uh, big hires kind of under their belt and going forward. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I just love that they're playing UTSA yes. Week 2. Yes. Because the split-off point between those two programs was a non-conference <sighs> matchup a, a few point. years ago with week that missed two. extra point. It was a Week 2 as well. Right. Uh, the pandemic season, yeah. And that was Trailer's first year. Right. Right? And so, like, you know, maybe Kenny I was about to say, can pull a similar type thing and really just jumpstart that trajectory. Man, that's a good point. That's a really good point, actually. So that'll be an interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on heading into that week for narrative purposes. Uh, with that being said... We should do a game day there. We should... You know what I mean? We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. thinking. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk. Talk soon. Uh, with that being said, we have now interviewed 11 of the 13 FBS head coaches. Uh, Eric Morris will be theoretically soon. Jimbo Fisher, please give us a call. Uh, I'm trying to think. They, there's nothing to really bait him anymore. We used to be able to say, oh, we got the coordinator you can talk about. <laughs> right. things. I don't know what we can talk yeah, about now. We can just talk just about come it. on. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Go Rutgers is the last thing I'm supposed to say, and we'll see you guys next week.